Welcome to Todd Talks, where I help you design your best life. Not the life that I designed for you, but the life that you desire. Today, we have an excellent show for you. I got to interview Pamela Keller, an executive coach in STEM, science, technology, and math. She is an expert at strategic leadership with over 16 years experience in strategy, business development, and project delivery. I really hope that you enjoy today's episode, and I know you will. So Pamela, if you don't mind giving a a little introduction about yourself, that would be much appreciated. Fantastic. Todd, thank you so much for the lovely introduction and thank you for, for having me here. It's, um, it's a pleasure to be here and to talk to your audience. Um, yeah, a little bit about me. Um, I have a very unusual background. I um, was born in Bolivia, raised in Germany, but then later on moved to work in um, Southeast Asia and Australia. And uh, what's interesting is whenever I moved across all of the areas, I've been always fascinated by working with people in STEM. And for me, particularly, that worked, um, that meant working in the mobility sector. That's something that I've always been very fascinated in. Um, for people who know where Stuttgart in Germany is, that's basically the birthplace of a couple of automotive OEMs. So if you grow up here, you, you somehow end up working in the automotive industry. <laughs> so that was my very early on exposure to mobility and, uh, and I love it. So I've worked in the automotive industry and then later on I worked in the rail industry, which I like to say it's just uh, working with bigger cars. Now, did you work at the Porsche plant there in, uh, in Stuttgart? That's a beautiful facility. I've 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 been there. I haven't actually gone inside, but I've been there a number of times. Yeah, yeah, me too. But just as a as a visitor, um, you know, I have worked for for Daimler before, um, okay. but for a government organization that uh, was looking to attract foreign investment to Germany in the automotive industry with the uh, with the goal of creating jobs in Eastern Germany, in particular. Well, excellent. So how did you get involved is my is my best question how did you get involved in executive leadership executive coaching to help others to improve their executive style and their executive abilities what drew you to that mm. I might um first say a couple of words about how I got there um, absolutely I've been lucky to really enjoy quite often talking about strategic topics. So early in my career, I also spent a couple of years working in strategy consulting. And once I then changed to working for um, industrial corporations uh, like the rail industry, I was able to pretty quickly grow into senior management positions um, thanks to my strategic thinking and to make a contribution to senior management positions. And what I found is that, in particular as a woman, and we'll we'll talk even more about as a woman, the higher you grow, um, the more you need to acquire different ways of thinking. So you might start your career with being very focused on your technical skills and what you can contribute technically. But the more you grow into senior management positions, it's actually different abilities that you need to foster and learn. Um, It's, for example, how to lead people. 
but also how to provide a compelling vision to your team so that they follow you. And also how to comp- how to develop a compelling vision and strategy for others who don't report to you to follow you, right? So you develop also influencing skills in order to get there. So because these are skills that don't that we don't necessarily learn either at school or at university, it is skills that I have often uh, taught to my team members on the job. So that's how I got to do quite a lot of. Um, coaching on the job through mentoring and um, because I enjoyed that so much I decided to make that my my full-time role and have now launched to be an executive coach. Okay so what would you say are some of the most important influencing skills that someone needs to learn and then as a second part to that so long question how can somebody pick that up. So what uh, what are they and then how can they develop those if they, if they don't come naturally? Mm, yeah. And indeed uh, they don't always come naturally because it's something that we first need to learn. It's a mix of a couple of skills. One starts with understanding people. You see, if we want to influence someone to do something, that person first of all needs to understand why. And if if we can't explain that properly, then the person is unlikely going to do it or not to the extent that we would like the person to do it or the quality or the speed that we would like the person to perform the time. So it starts with understanding, understanding the person, their needs, their abilities, capabilities and interests and answer the question, what's in it for me? And that's when um, we can bring the person along on the journey and and get their buy-in, so to speak. The second element that goes with that, so the first one would be that understanding. And the second one is also with uh, communication, right? Because I might know exactly what I need to tell that person, but if I don't find the right way how to speak to that person and how to communicate why that person would benefit from supporting an idea or supporting a project, then um, then the person's not going to be on board. In essence, it's really bringing people on board of the idea that you're trying to sell. I actually have a really good example of that. When in my last job, when uh, I worked in a small office, there was about five of us. And these two coworkers that I had, had very different communication styles. Let's just say that it caused some headbutting in the office. And so I had to coordinate basically to to get them to to understand each other and their different learning styles and different communication styles. And then after we were able to get them after I was able to get them to understand that they each communicated in different ways and had different, very different personalities, then then they were able to work together after that. But it took, it was probably a week of them headbutting and and not coming to blows, but but verbal blows and putting themselves in their own corners for for me to then step in and, and have to sit them down one-on-one, one-on-one, and then explain until they understood 
the differences between each other and were able to get past their barriers, which were causing the problems. So I totally understand what you're saying. You have to understand people. It's yes, absolutely. And that's a great example you just mentioned, Todd. And good on you for stepping in and being the translator, so to speak, right? Because otherwise they may not have found a way to talk to each other or to understand each other. And then what happens when people just, you know, butt their heads together and they don't understand each other, they just walk away frustrated, thinking he, she didn't understand me, he, she don't listen. And who loses ultimately is the organization and the people because a great idea might get lost. Well, not only that, but we almost lost a really good project officer that mm -hmm. she was amazing at the way she could think of projects in like task groupings. Mm -hmm. And and so she was ready to quit because of of this. And so she's like, I don't have to, I'm a civilian. I don't have to work here doing this anymore. If the, if I'm going to have a bad work atmosphere. So we were able to do that. And we had a great year after that mm. uh, working together before I left and, and everything. So awesome. Well, that's a fantastic story. Yeah. Great. You see the, the benefits. So it's not just one magic thing, right? We often think um, of influencing as just one skill that, is uh, directly one thing that we need to pick up. But like I said, it's a combination of a couple. So we said it's understanding people. And the second element is communicating in a way that people understand. And there's a third element that I would add, and that's particularly important um, the higher we grow into senior management. And that is about um, building relationships. Um, now, imagine if, if you're trying to bring some, a couple of people on board of a really important project, that's going to cost a lot of money and you need to convince them of why this project is going to be important. Um, if they don't know you, have never heard of you, they don't know your capabilities, your experience, it's going to be quite difficult to get them on board, right? So oh, yeah. you actually need to spend a bit of time on creating that relationship so that the other people get to know you first, get to know you, get to trust you so that when they hear their, your proposal, proposal, they know, okay, th this is a sound proposal. We, we trust Todd. We know he has done this for years. Yeah, he's got a vote. So my question for you then would be, how did you build that relationship um, with people that you worked? What Do you have a good example of that? Um, I know examples I've, I've had, But what what examples do, do you have of a, of a time when you were able to use that to build that for the large project to get that agreement to spend millions of dollars? Yeah. Um, ideally, it's good to start developing a relationship before there's already a task or, a, or an ask. So before you're already going to present that big project, ideally you already start preparing that um, the grounds for the relationship much earlier. So I would say um, start by having a think about who are the important decision makers in your organization and develop start developing a relationship with them without having to think about a particular ask, right? So how do you do that? First, just really get to know them as a person. 
right? Uh, maybe uh, ask them if they have time to, uh, to go out for a coffee or for a lunch and get to know that person. And you can do that by simply saying, hey, just, just want to hear who you are, what's your background and how we can find synergies and how we can support each other. Mm-hmm. And that starts a, a really personal conversation. It's not necessarily going to, everything needs to be on a professional level, just connect with that person. And then you might discover things like, you might have a similar hobby. You might have worked uh, previously in the same company or in the same industry. And that starts to create a bond. Right. And bonding with someone creates trust. And it's in those conversations and ideally repeating conversations that the person, the other person is also going to ask you, um, well, what's your role in our organization? And then you get to explain your added value. You get to explain some of the other projects you work on. And that way, the person is also going to discover what you contribute professionally to the organization. Now, would you agree, and and there's a reason for this next question. So would you agree that a lot, oftentimes you can bond with with a group very quickly when you have an important task that that you're all basically on hawk for you're 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 on the hook for it and if you if you all don't work really well together then everybody fails and everything fails uh would you agree that that is that you can bond really quickly in those instances 100% talk because the stakes are high and so, for example, if I look back at some of the closest relationships that I've built is um, probably whenever I worked in project management, because we just had really hard delivery timelines. We had to perform, deliver things today, not tomorrow. And, and we knew that we depended on each other. I knew that if I didn't provide my contribution, someone else would not be able to deliver their portion and vice versa. So having a task, and this is also shown by research, having actually a task to work on together provides better grounds for uh, developing a close relationship. But it's possible also without that. Well, and the reason for the question, and I totally, I totally agree. It was, it was a, a question I really wanted your agreement on because of uh, I've got a great story to share. I love sharing stories, right? Stories are the way people love to learn. And um so I was the aircraft commander sent to do a graduation parachute drop for the army para, para drop school, parachute school. And so we showed up and we arrived with a broken airplane. Our airplane had a problem and we, they, this was their graduation jump. They needed, they kept those soldiers in their shoots for 12 hours while try, while we were doing everything we could to get fixed to try to fix the airplane and so we got we got notification that the maintenance team was finally going to arrive this is 14 hours after we had shown up broken everybody had been sent home 1300 family members had to scramble to go get hotel rooms because they hadn't planned on, on being there that night. Cause, and, and so our command told us, Hey, you just fly home when, when you get fixed. Well, it went up the army chain through the 
chairman of the Joint Chiefs down to the Air Force to our commander saying uh, that plane will stay there and drop tomorrow morning as soon as they're fixed. So the next day, we felt a lot of pressure. We had the Army looking at us. We had the Air Force looking at us. We had 1,300 angry family members along with the people that we had to drop. And we ended up performing a task in two hours. We dropped 320 soldiers. Absolutely an insane amount. And we did it because we were so in sync as a team. There was no way that we could have done it had we not been been so in sync because we were 15 minutes from takeoff to takeoff, drop, turn, land the opposite direction. And we were closing out checklists the last second in order to, and the gate was coming down and soldiers running on and it ended up being after this highly synergistic, and I don't really like that word, but that's the only way to describe it. Two hours of just synergistic working together. We we ended, did a big flyby for the crowd, and it went up the army chain over to the through the Joint Chiefs, down the Air Force chain to say, thank you very much. Congratulations. That was awesome. Had we not become cohesive as a team and trusted each other, never would have happened. It would have had a very different result. So Mm -hmm. I totally agree with what you're saying and just wanted to share that story um, about why what you're saying is so important and so good. Wow. Thanks for sharing that story, Todd. I'm I'm sure it was full of adrenaline, (laughs) full of emotions as well. But it was very, very rewarding at the end once achieved. Hmm? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I would like to add, in particular, when you have such short timescales to achieve something, what becomes even more important for a leader is that um, that we create clarity over what's the contribution of each individual. Because imagine if you had such a short timeline and nobody knew what their role is, what their contribution is, what they need to focus on, it just becomes messy, even if everyone has the same great intention, right? So clarifying roles is really important in that as well. Okay, so now as as somebody is stepping out from, (laughs) from the STEM sector where they've been focused very much on the, say, programming or or very much on the work scientific side of the business the technology side of the business the doing the job but now they're put into a leadership role what is your best advice for developing this these influencing skills for bu- learning to build these relationships um, what advice do you give the women that you work with Mm. especially women too, because I, I, I think probably 65 or 70% of my listeners are women. And so how do you help them to grow into that leadership? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm glad that you also mentioned specifically women, Todd, because 
One of the aspects that's really challenging for women in the STEM sector is that we're in the minority. So, um, and in particular, the higher we grow into senior management, there's less and less women. The amount of meetings or the amount of times that I was the only woman in the room, I cannot count them. And uh, I have learned to feel comfortable with that, but not everybody's comfortable with that. Um, but if you're looking to grow, and if you're looking, for example, for a mentor, or simply someone to look up to and to, to try and mimic the leadership traits, because often we learn by just mimicking and uh, observing what others do, right? As a woman, you often just have a male senior leadership team. So the leadership styles of men and women tend to be different. And I'll give you one example, namely, um, and, and that's also something that's already written a lot about, um, a lot of women, when they have a male mentor, they're often um, told that they need to be more assertive. Yeah? And uh, some even are being told they need to be uh, stronger, maybe even harder and harsher. Even uh, I have received one feedback from a former manager saying, Pamela, you're painfully polite. <laughs> which always always makes me laugh. So why do I tell you this? It's because women just need to find a leadership style that's authentic to themselves. Not every woman feels comfortable with being assertive the way it's interpreted by men. We can find assertiveness in a different way. I'm certainly very assertive, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to bang with my hand on the table. I have very different ways of um, showing assertiveness. So what I do with women is try and find that unique leadership style that is authentic to themselves. Because if you try to become someone else, you try to adopt a leadership style that's not authentic to yourself, you feel on one hand um, that you're just um, creating a false um, persona. Well, I think the mm -hmm. men see it too. The yeah. men that you're trying to lead see it. And you lose their trust and respect. Yeah, and your team as well, yeah. And, and you as well. It can be very draining and it can be emotionally exhausting if every day you're showing up with a different persona that is not authentic to yourself. So authenticity is really important. So how do we do that? Um, when I start working with women, what we look at is some of the traits that are very unique to themselves. For example, we would look at what are their strengths? And there are tests that we can use to identify the very inherent strengths to them. What are their values? What are their preferred skills? And by looking at all of those details, we can then construct leadership traits and leadership style that is very authentic to them and that they can apply as of today in their workspace because it's already in them. We don't need to create something. They don't need to learn it. The only thing they need to do is actually identify those traits. And then they can go and um, use them directly. Oh, absolutely. And I find that women in leadership positions, if they aren't acting on their those authentic traits, if they are trying to mimic the man or the men's way of doing things, it does come across as... Not as false, because some women can have that as their in, internal traits. But I think a lot of A-type men will read that as false and will see it as, as 
a threat and and react in a negative way, even though the leader is trying to lead well, but because of the way that they are coming across, being the assertive male type personality trying to use that, I've seen, and I, I'm talking from experience with this, I've seen other leaders react very negatively to a commander that was doing that. I mean, a leader that was doing that. Yeah. If people know who I'm t- talking about, <laughs> I, I don't mean to talk about specific people, but yeah. it it can come across and the the woman leader may be a very good leader, but if if the subordinates are turned away, turned off by the leadership style because it's not inherent or intuitive to, to that leader, then, then it can have negative, very negative consequences for the, for the unit and the group. Absolutely, Todd. And you know what, what, what you have observed in your own experience is actually also backed up by research. Um, namely, society expects women to be warm. Yeah, to be uh, to be warm and social. So when suddenly a woman shows up with very strong and assertive characteristics, which we would usually um, define as a male leadership type, then society just says, "Wait a minute, there's there's something not right here, right?" And that mm-hmm. is why there's actually proven that um, women can experience a penalized factor of showing those very male traits. Absolutely. So if someone advises to a woman just be more assertive, be a bit harsher. It's actually counterproductive because she could potentially be penalized for showing those traits. So how can women then actually work around it? So society expects them to be um, social and to be warm. So if I just break it down into one tip so that people can see how we can actually um, find our feminine leadership style is and still be assertive. <laughs> if we bring, if we look at communication, We can break down communication into what's the content that we communicate versus the delivery. How do we communicate it? So, for example, if I have a very clear opinion um, that someone is not going to receive a budget for project A, I can in content be very clear about it. There's no budget, full stop. Yeah. But in the delivery, I can still be very warm and say, for example, um, John, thank you for making the business case and spending time to really create a very sound business case. I can see where this comes from. Um, and maybe at another in another time, there would be budget for it. But as of today, there is no budget for this. And That's you a much warmer way of saying it. Sorry? That's a much warmer way of saying it. Yeah. So you say it warm. Content-wise, you remain assertive in your position. You don't move. So that's like one way of how, how we can women can communicate in an authentic way and, and still show strong leadership. Strong leadership is about strong guidance. Strong leadership is not about being loud. And I, I totally agree with that. I think I, I'm a proponent of servant leadership. Um, I don't. I don't think you need to be a, a loud, obnoxious, um, angry type leader. In fact, I think you those type of leaders that try to lead through fear 
actually lose the trust and respect. And while things may get done Mm -hmm. over time, they're burning a lot of bridges that would help them when they do need to have the support and trust of their, their people underneath them. Whereas a servant leader, because he serves or she serves the people that are subordinate to them, you build that trust, you build that relationship, you, that in a war sense, they're willing to, to go to battle for you yeah. when yeah. the whole company or unit or group is under the gun. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that still applies into business world today, right? What does it mean to, to go to war or a battle? In a corporate world, it means they're willing to put in the extra mile. If something's really super urgent, they're willing to work day and night and weekends for you. They don't have to. But, you know, if, if you create that strong bond, then your team is going to support you the same way you support them. Absolutely. So we've now I know that you you were involved a lot in project development. And so how do you coach one of your leaders, women leaders, male leaders, but we'll we'll keep the focus on women today. How do you coach them to develop the project ideas to to be that leader that allows projects to be created how how do you help them because a lot of people get stuck they can't think of new ideas that's very true um so in my program i cover two aspects that speak exactly to that one is strategic thinking and the other is creating business value let's start with strategic thinking um in my program i teach a couple of models that help you to analyze the market because you need to understand the market needs and the client needs in order to develop a product, project, or service that actually meets a need and a demand, because otherwise there's no success, right? So we break it down through a couple of models, and those are pretty simple models, but once you use them, you're good to go and reapply it whenever you want to develop something new. But the um, other aspect is then the second one, which I also love talking about, is how to create business value. Namely, once you have identified a, a potential need on the market, the question is, how can you serve that need? And that can be through various services. It can be through um, maybe changing the certain things in the organization or outsourcing. But ultimately, if we want to be great leaders, we need to create business value because what the company is there for, the organization is there for, is to meet certain KPIs, right? Whether it's the financial investors or whether it's other KPIs that the company um, follows, we ultimately need to develop strategic goals towards meeting KPIs. So how can our efforts create this business value? That's one of the things that leaders really need to emphasize and put a strong focus on. And, and why I'll explain why I always speak about that. In my experience, unfortunately, also with a couple of women that I have mentored before, that they thought that just by working hard, they would earn a promotion. Putting in long hours, working a lot, even beyond your scope, but just working a lot does not get you there. What gets you there is bringing the organization a step further ahead 
a step closer to clients, a step further ahead of competition, or a step quicker. So ultimately, our efforts need to focus on how do we create business value. Excellent. And where where did you learn these skills? Um, one, it's actually um, one of my strengths. So I don't know if you've heard of the Clifton Strengths. It is um, it is a tool that helps you to identify your own strengths. And one of my very strong strengths is strategic thinking. And once I had discovered that that's one strong strength, I spent a couple of years in strategy consulting, where obviously day in, day out, that's that's what I did. And later on, when I joined the mobility industry, that's also what I did for many years, namely work in um, in uh, strategy uh, functions. So I've used that quite a lot, but I've um, also seen that it's actually just a couple of models that help you to develop that strategic thinking. And that's why my program, um, I don't need to share 1000 models uh, of studies. It's actually just a couple of models that helps to um, develop that view. Now, if somebody wanted to start working with you, if they wanted to get on your program, how would they do that? They can reach out to me. Usually I offer a free half an hour consultation just to get to know each other because typically there are a couple of questions involved. I want to see how can I help the person. I want her time to be really best utilized and uh, and for her also to see the topics that I can help with. And if it's a good fit, then we just start uh, working together. I coach online, so it really doesn't matter where the person is based. Now, do you you do that mostly via LinkedIn? Um, I'm going my uh, I'm I'm going to share your LinkedIn link um, in the show notes so that people can reach out to you as uh, as they see fit as they would like. That's great. Yeah, so you can find me on LinkedIn, um, or also check out my website that is um, womenleadinginstem.com. Women leading. Instead.com. Mm -hmm. I'll put that link down in the show notes as well. So right. that way, that way they can reach out to you as they uh, like the episode and want to learn more and how you can help them. We'll make sure that they can reach you via whatever means necessary. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Todd. No problem. I Hey, this is what we do. We share and help each other out, right? So before uh, before we finish up, let's one more question. So when somebody's just starting out their business, I know you've been involved in business development, so I'm, I'm hitting all the all your your high points, right? So you've been involved in business development. Somebody's just starting out. The uh, stay-at-home mom just launched her her home home business, or a um, lady that has been in been in the the STEM marketplace for a while. She's she's been working hard and now is launching her own company because of some ideas that she's had and kept on the back burner. What are the things that you would tell her? to do first to build, to develop that business, to become profitable? Mm. 
Wow, yeah, a lot of topics come to mind, but I think one is the basis of everything, Todd. Namely, I would suggest spend a lot of time understanding your clients and their needs because that's the basis of everything, of how much success you're going to have, to what extent your contributions, your skills are going to be a match for that need. So spend a bit of time with your clients. Um, allow yourself a bit of time to experiment. So if you're not clear which client group to niche down, experiment a little bit wider to see how the response is from different clients and, and match it with what you bring to the table. Yeah, and what you bring best to the table and where you find the strongest match of client needs and what you can offer, that's a good area to focus on. And from there on, the rest follows. That's awesome. It's great advice. You're welcome. <laughs> so thank you so much for being on here. Thank you so much, Todd. It's been a pleasure and great topics uh, discussed. I really hope that's uh, that's a good input for your audience. And I look forward to listening further to your interviews. I, I think it will be a great uh, fit for the audience. And again, my goal is to help people to grow, design the life that they desire, right? And so I like having people with different, in different topics. Today, we're talking, you know, women in STEM leadership development. I love it because people need to find their area that, that resonates with them. And you, you gave us such good advice. Build your influencing skills. Um, mimic leaders that you trust. Develop, um, develop your your personal style. Don't try to use a a false style. Don't you don't have to be like the man to <laughs> to be a, a good leader. I, I just really appreciate, and I think you gave some very good tips on how people can get started on working on themselves. And so I perfect fit for my audience. And I really appreciate you being on today. Thank you so much. Very nice to know you. Absolutely, Todd. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. And I've followed you on LinkedIn. So I'll be continuing to see how things progress with you as well. So wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much for your time and you. you have a great day. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks to everyone. This has been Todd Talks. We've spoken with Pamela Keller today. And as you know, Todd Talks is for you to design the life that you desire. Todd Talks are available on Apple, Spotify, everywhere you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. This will be out on YouTube in a couple of days. Today's episode will be on Todd Talks. Actually, today, I'll release it in a couple hours. And you have a, a blessed day. Thank you, Todd. Thank you.